Welcome to Godsplaining, contemplative preacher's contemporary age. Each week, join the Dominican friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome to this episode of Godsplaining. I am Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic, and today I am here with Father Joseph Anthony Cress. Father Joseph Anthony, how's it going? What's up? Oh my gosh. It's we're in Advent, man. Um, I love it so much. For those of you on YouTube, you will notice I intentionally chose my lighting background to be violet because it is the season. Also, I'm a big That's, fan of Christmas lights, so I need to mess with lighting and I, I'm so excited for Christmas. I, I don't really know what to say to that. I mean, I know what to say to that, but I think you know what I would say to that. So we'll just, I know. We'll just leave it there. But our listeners don't. Do you want to say anything? I just don't have... <laughs> in, in my office or in my room so that, i no. think that that difference is a kind of says it all <laughs> there it is yeah. so no yeah we're in advent and things are going well um we're closing in on the end of the semester so you know i, I feel like we always talk about uh the academic year and and things like that but you know what that's what that's the work that i'm engaged in and i think it's important to kind of see how the ebbs and flows of our life so Campus ministry is kind of coming to a close. We're focusing in and preparing our students for Advent while at the same time trying to prepare them for finals and make sure that they're supported and taken care of during those key moments of the semester. Um, and then, yeah, so things are going really, really well. Uh, the parish is, is, is doing great and the ministry is doing great. So, yeah, yeah. all's groovy. That's cool. I remember or just, yeah, remember reflecting on the fact that... Um, Advent was always a weird time uh, mm -hmm. for, for me until I entered the order. And it's still a busy time generally. But like yeah. through college, I mean, I entered the order. We both entered the order right after we graduated from mm -hmm. our undergraduate work. But um, it wasn't really until entering religious life that Advent became a sort of um, like season that wasn't occupied by papers and finals and just yeah. sort of the insanity. And I think that's kind of a privilege of religious life because everybody else is also, you know, just kind of crazy time of the year for everybody, but we kind of have, I guess you less so because you're still on campus for part of Advent, but me in some ways, at least the travel and all that tends to slow down. I can kind of mm -hmm. dive into Advent, which I love because I love Advent. Advent's a great, right. a great time. So any, anywho. It's Advent. it's a weird thing where like, there's go, 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 go. And everybody wants a break because they've been working so hard and Thanksgiving hits and you get maybe 48 hours of relaxation and tryptophan naps because of the turkey and all that stuff. And then bam, it's like all speed ahead. You got to finish up everything. And then as soon as that's done, you got to get all your shopping in and then Christmas. And so like, it's a weird place. And we, I think we overlook it or overwork ourselves through Advent and don't actually prepare for yeah. the Christmas season. But um, it's, it's just trying to help everybody pump the brakes every now and then give those like little moments of respite. Uh, the pastor down here, Father Walter, is doing these like little one hour retreat moments, like throughout Advent, like all these different days and, and things like that, which I think is a really cool idea. And it's, it's going really well. That's awesome. That's very cool. Well, one of the things perhaps to help slow us down, as you were saying, Ooh. during Advent is coming up next week. Yeah, because what we're. This is the 2nd of December. So on the 8th of December, the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, obviously a big solemnity um, mm -hmm. to celebrate. But this big year fan. takes big it on. Fan. I'm glad you support the Solemnity of the Immaculate <laughs> Conception. That's great. 
the this the feast day this year takes on a special significance because um, it concludes the year of Saint Joseph that we've been observing since last year on December eighth. So the Holy Father um, inaugurated, I guess, the year of Saint Joseph to begin on the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception in twenty twenty on on the eighth of December and to conclude on the eighth of December of this year. So with a few days left of the year of St. Joseph, we thought uh, it'd be good to return to to this, uh, to to St. Joseph. I know at the beginning of the year, you, Father Joseph Anthony, who were you with on that? Was it Father Patrick? I think it was Father Patrick and I did did an episode at the the beginning of of the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to kick that all off. And so we thought, well, now that the year's coming to a close, let's let's revisit St. Joseph. We can talk again about some things um, of our faith, of practicing the faith, of looking at some of the virtues of St. Joseph, um, talk about that, and then, but also look ahead with St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, what what to carry away? I think this is a point that we've been hitting a lot on the podcast in recent months of, um, especially like forming minds and hearts of, you know, we do things for a, for a time or for a particular season, even Advent's a good example, but that's supposed to form us going ahead and, and draws closer to the Lord. So what does St. Joseph offer there? But then, as I said, looking ahead in a different way, now that, that this emphasis be, is being placed on the Eucharist in the church, I think it's not just a year in the Eucharist, but three no. years, if I'm remembering yeah. correctly. It's like it's a, a good a chunk of time. Three-year yeah. period. It's going to be great. So we'll talk in later on in the episode a bit about St. Joseph and the Eucharist and, and draw some of that in. So um, that's what we're going to do today. So let's dive mm-hmm. into it. So yeah, we said already, we're wrapping up this year. Um, the Holy Father, Pope Francis, wrote a um, apostolic letter called Patris Corde, um, commemorating, or the, or the year commemorates when it started, the 150th anniversary of St. Joseph being named the universal patron of the church by Pius, Pope Pius IX. Um, so that that kind of set the scene. And I, and I um, But I think one of the things that jumps out immediately in kind of not a strange way, but one that at least draws our attention is is this date december 8th the solemnity yeah. of the immaculate conception of um of of a year of saint joseph beginning on a marian feast day obviously mary and joseph they you know husband and wife they go together but usually <laughs> you would think that like you would start a year of saint joseph and a year given to saint joseph on a feast day of St. Joseph or of the Holy Family or, you know, something like that rather than yeah. a Marian feast day. So now that the feast day is approaching, I don't know, thoughts on that? Why, why does, why is that weird? Why, or why does it make sense? Why does it fit? Um, mm-hmm. What do you think? I don't know. I, I, I mean, I remember when this was announced a year ago on the feast day of uh, the Immaculate Conception, it took everybody by surprise. Like nobody saw it coming. There were no kind of whispers in it. There was no like kind of, embargo um anything it just like came out of the blue and so it really kind of surprised everybody and took everybody kind of um off uh off kilter a little bit and but then upon reflecting that is that like deep deep uh, connection between saint joseph and the blessed virgin mary um in their spousal union and how in their unity as husband and wife you know they are drawn into a deeper relationship but centered on the incarnate Lord. And this uh, immaculate conception, right? We always have to, at least I find myself even telling close friends or or family members, like the immaculate conception is about Mary's conception without sin, not the Lord's. Uh, Because I think 
we get in this like Christmas expectation about the baby Jesus immaculate conception. So it's like obviously connected, but it's, this is about the, the blessed Virgin Mary's um, conception without sin and how she is united to her husband, St. Joseph in this endeavor and how he's drawn up into the mystery of the incarnate Lord precisely through him being the husband of mm. uh, the blessed Virgin Mary. And, so I, I find it really beautiful to see that connection that his year dedicated uh, to meditating on his life, meditating on his virtues, the year dedicated to um, honoring him and even entrusting ourselves to, to him in this way is, is connected to uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary in this way because they, they do go together. Both the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. Joseph always point us back to Jesus. So their role, their dignity, their um, joy, I would even say, is drawn from and directs to the incarnate Lord at all, th at all things. Yeah, when we talk about things, whether it's St. Joseph, different years that the, that the church gives us for meditation, reflection, action, whatever it might be, um, theological things, we, it's, I mean, we, we kind of have to do this in, in some ways to kind of atomize things and talk yeah. about them kind of particularly or specifically. Um, but we also always have to remember that, that all of this fits together, um, that there's, there's like a, there's a hole, you know, so we can look at the part, we can kind of zoom in, we can take the microscope, we can examine the life of St. Joseph, we can examine his virtues and how we can imitate those. And, but really like the, the, he fits into a hole. Um, he's not just on his on his own, you know, so as you were describing, he's part of the Holy Family. He's part of the universal salvific plan of our Lord. He's part of the universal mm. church. He's part of the saints of, in heaven. And, you know, all of that, as you were saying, leads back then to this Christocentric reality. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it highlights, I think, in, in we talk about, too, when we talk about Marian truths, that mm -hmm. um, everything that Mary is, everything that the church says about Mary um, says actually more about Christ than it does Mary. So we can think about the feast day coming up, the Immaculate Conception. Great. We can talk about Mary being immaculately conceived and the dogma of that and the truth of that. But that really reflects to who Christ is, you know, that the Son of God mm -hmm. would have this pure ark, this pure virgin to be born. But so, so too, I think here with St. Joseph, as you were describing, right, that he is part of this, this family and part of this, this salvific plan of our, of our Lord. Um, and his participation in this moment and, and God's providence um, says more about Christ and teaches us about Christ. And I think we'll talk a bit more about that specifically with, with yeah. the Eucharist a little bit later. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Before we do that, though, let's, let's talk about some like St. Joseph as like a mode of virtue, um, mm -hmm. not to like objectify him and say that he's just <laughs> like a, a mode, but to, to look at what he offers. The great model thing is, of virtue, maybe model. Maybe model is is good. We can use model. We can use. I mean, they all. Yeah, we don't want to objectify the saints as just sort of like, kind of like this is why Saint Joseph is good because he does X. But really, that in this way radiates our Lord, um, and and it, sort of the glory of of grace working in one's life. So I think a couple things at least jump out to me. Um, but I'll I'll mention one at least, and and this is something that I think. St. Joseph is often noted for, but mm -hmm. very apropos for the season that we find ourselves in. Father Joseph Anthony's purple lights reminding us yet again of Advent. Um, but St. But Joseph's silence and his yeah. sort of recollection of 
one of the things I think when we talk about St. Joseph, we always hear is that, oh, there's no recorded words of St. Joseph. True. Uh, why? Because he is an example of, of this, of this sort of beautiful kind of powerful, silent in many ways, you know, father figure masculinity that, that doesn't, you know, that, that, um, governs his own family, that, that leads his own family and his own relationship with the Lord, not by like just talking, but by being with, um, by listening, by being disposed to hear what the Lord is doing and those sort of things. So I think super, super apropos for, for Advent, for Christmas, you know, those things. Not only apropos for Advent, but crying out loud, apropos for our culture right now, how many times Mm. should people probably shut up more than they talk? You know, I, it would like the, I don't know, the abundance of social media and the abundance of like, everybody has to have their opinion, but not have it, but voice it. And you, you know, this kind of need, hunger, desire to let people know that is not present in St. Joseph. He he has a, a a beautiful silence to him, a beautiful interior peace that doesn't let the chaos around him because the circumstances of his life were not pristine. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's pretty self, uh, you know, apparent. But he didn't let the chaos of that disturb his interior peace, where he had to, you know pop off and let everybody know what was happening or, you know, direct things around. And we live in such a culture that is um, oriented to, you know, and I I say this like fully aware of what we're doing, but we are oriented to talking heads at every turn uh, that we are. And here's a man that is, doesn't have any recorded words um, in that he is able to lead well, love well, protect those entrusted to him, um, hear the voice of God himself from a place of silence. And so, you know, seeing him as this model of virtue, this model of interior, but even exterior silence, and to see that sanctity comes through that, in that the true union with our Lord in a very intimate and very important uh, mission and role in um in the history of salvation of his own salvation and others comes from both interior, but also even a little bit of exterior silence. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's absolutely right. There's in, in this, the, the chaos, as it were, as you've described of the mm-hmm. world in which we live is not, would not be for, I mean, perhaps in the, the, the mode, there we go again, the mode that it, that we experience it <laughs> would not, um, would be different, but the sort of, yeah, cacophony and chaos and whatever of life would not be would not be lost on Saint Joseph. You can just think of the whole like infancy narratives of Christ of mm-hmm. of Bethlehem and the flight into Egypt and the return back. You know, just all of that. Um, but often you, I'm I'm sure you experience this as a priest talking with students, and I I do too. And and you know the people with whom I talk, whether they're vocation candidates or not, but this there's this desire to give more, to offer mm-hmm. more to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the first questions that has to be asked is, well, how are we, you know, how are what what is our relationship like with the Lord? You know, are we taking time for silence just to be with Him, right, to hear right. Him, to be receptive to those graces? And that's totally, um, totally related to then our ability in turn to offer ourselves. Um, most especially through obedience, because the self-offering is made through like giving of our will, which is, you know, the virtue of obedience. Um, and I'm not, we're not talking here about like, 
religious profession of obedience, but just obedience to God's will, hearing his will, you know, obedience to the commandments and, and those sort of things, the things that require necessary obedience as, you know, to be faithful to, to our Lord, but also the things that are kind of voluntary, you know, how can we be more giving of ourselves to our Lord and neighbor that begins in like a sort of Josephite silence, we could say like the silence of St. Joseph. Um, so I think that's really important. People, we often get trapped in this action thought, but it's uh -huh. sometimes like being receptive that actually lets us be more of a, a self gift or self offering. I want to do something that I, I despise, but I find myself doing all the time. But like you're talking about obedience and how important that is. But that word obedience, you know, obediere coming from to hear, to mm. listen, like we have to hear first before we can then take that step of action. So when you're saying like, I, I see this with the students all the time. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm ready to do more for the Lord. I want to take my prayer life seriously. So what can I do? What can I do? And it's like, well, shut up and sit in his presence. <laughs> you have to like silence and quiet yourself so you can hear him well, so that when he makes that invitation to maybe set out into the deep, you know, when he makes that invitation to come and follow me, then you're ready to respond well, but you have to quiet yourself. You have to, you know, um, be willing to accept. And this is something that uh, Pope Francis wrote about in the apostolic letter, Patres Corde, is that he talks about that f what we learn from St. Joseph is that there's a beauty in St. Joseph being an accepting father. He accepts the circumstances that are in, in his life. He didn't maybe plan it that way. He maybe never desired it, but this is what's in front of him. And he is able to accept the will of God, hearing it, and then respond well. I mean, this, uh, my favorite section of that uh, apostolic letter is where he talks about the creative, courageous actions of St. Joseph. He, said, he talks about him being a creatively courageous father, that he accepts first this disposition of accepting and hearing in this kind of like welcoming of the will of God. And then from that, he has his creativity to address the needs and solve the problems. And maybe that is taking the Holy Family to Egypt. You know, how, how did he do that? I don't know. You know, like he had to be creative to address the problems. But the Lord, in a really beautiful way, entrusts himself to the creative, courageous, uh, the creatively courageous father, say Joseph, to address those problems. Um, and I think it's that I love that whole section on, on St. Joseph as the creatively courageous one. Yeah, that's great. It's a great way to think of, of St. Joseph. So with, with that, we're going to take just a, a short break. Um, and when we come back, we will, we'll look at the way by, or ways by which we can sort of take St. Joseph, uh, and what he offers us forward into our future, especially into this year of the, or the, these years on the Eucharist, this Eucharistic renewal that the church is looking forward to. So stay tuned and we will be right back. You are listening to Godsplaining. Visit us at godsplaining.org to listen to our episodes, shop our store, and donate to our podcast. All gifts go to improving the podcast and bringing the gospel to more listeners. Thanks for your support. Welcome back to Godsplaining. I'm Father Jacob Bertrand, and I'm here with Father Joseph Anthony. And uh, we've been talking about the conclusion uh, or the year of St. Joseph that is concluding in just what, less than a week on December 8th on the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. And 
we've been talking about some of the the the, the virtues or the yeah the virtues that saint joseph models for us in our christian life and a couple of things that we we've talked about is this sort of silence and recollection of saint joseph and that that leads to our ability to be obedient that is kind of that is that is man, made manifest in our self-offering our self-giving to the lord and to others um one final thing here before talking about the eucharist in saint joseph is is um is saint joseph's patronage of of a happy death i grew up at a parish mm-hmm. in connecticut um called saint joseph's and the big rose window in the back of the church is this beautiful this beautiful window of um saint joseph's death um which was i never like really thought of much growing up until you know, I, I realized what it was, but, um, I bring it up not, well, I mean, I think it's a great, you know, a great patronage to, to that St. Joseph gives us, but, um, because of the virtue of perseverance, which kind of runs through all of what we've been talking about, ultimately the, the object of the virtue of perseverance is, is to, you know, die a holy death, um, or fortitude to die a holy death. But we can, I mean, we could probably talk on and on about the way by which perseverance is, is a virtue that we ought to pray for, whether that, you know, regularly, whether that's with like our spiritual life, our life of virtue, our friendships, our relationships, difficulties, home, work, school, life, you know, whatever it might be, perseverance is kind of a thread through all of it. But I think leads in a, in a beautiful way to the strength and the life that's offered in the Eucharist. Um, so Father Joseph, we've, we, we kind of introduced at the top of the episode, this, these years coming up on this Eucharistic renewal in the church, but Let's talk about St. Joseph in the Eucharist, this concluding yeah. of the year, leading into something new in the mm-hmm. church. Uh, I guess start to fit some of these pieces together. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a very strong connection between St. Joseph as the patron of death and the Eucharist known as viaticum, right? Food mm. for the journey, that final journey, that final um, you know, journey that we make into the shadows of death, but we take our Lord as food for that journey on. So like you can see, how beautiful that is in the the imagery of saint joseph dying in the presence of the blessed virgin mary and saint joseph like it's all wrapped up together there um but this understanding of saint joseph's relationship to the eucharist is actually something that was very important for my own devotion to saint joseph entering the order and um you know hearing the lord call me to be a, a priest uh is seeing that part of the responsibilities of the priesthood is that for i don't know why in god's manifold wisdom he entrusts these men who are sinful broken men who are not immaculately conceived but he entrusts them with the body of his son and his um and the blessed mother and so to see that my priesthood is is about um you know protecting and uh preserving this Christ in the sacraments and in union with the blessed virgin mother you know a devotion a strong love for the blessed virgin mother and the person who did that the best who was a a man who knew sin is saint joseph and I, I've always had this deep devotion that St. Joseph really knows what it means to um, be able to hold the Christ child in his arms uh, and to protect the body of the incarnate Lord, um, to have the privilege to, you know, 
kiss the cheeks of the Lord and hold him and entrust him in the humility of the a small child. A, a good friend of mine here in Charlottesville just had his uh, second child, a beautiful daughter, and I was over at his house on Thanksgiving holding this baby girl, just knowing how precious she is, um, how how humble and vulnerable and, and how you know precious that small child is, knowing that St. Joseph held the Lord in that way. But doesn't the Lord continue to do that? Humble himself to become, you know, a, a, a take form of what seems to be bread and wine in the humility, in the vulnerability, basically entrusting himself to the hands of the priest. And so we can look to St. Joseph and see that um, to deepen our devotion to the Eucharist, to deepen our appreciation for the incarnate Lord in his humility in the presence of the Eucharist. We can learn from St. Joseph, who did that, who was the first one to do that, the first one to understand what that was like, um, and really to step into that role as St. Joseph in that interaction with the humble incarnate Lord. And we interact with that through the Eucharist. Yeah, we can look at St. Joseph through, you know, through all of what, what you said in his his direct, you know, physical relationship with our Lord and being present in our Lord's life and being able to hold him and and raise him in these kind of things and and then look to at the way you know that the way by which saint joseph models these virtues that we've talked about in this episode on the episode that you did earlier last year on saint joseph um to to look at well you know these virtues aren't just things that saint joseph did in isolation mm -hmm. but these virtues saint joseph as a virtuous man also interacted with our lord in in those ways so you know saint joseph had you know in in the presence of the the incarnate lord had this uh was also recollected and contemplative in these sort of things he was obedient in offering himself to that he persevered through the trials and uh, of of being the father of the whole of the holy family and the leader of the holy family and that should then indicate to us in our minds a, a disposition by which we can adore the Lord in the Eucharist and have, you know, prepare for mass well to receive the Eucharist well and to live sort of a Eucharistic centered or Christocentric life. Um, if St. Joseph approached and lived with the Lord in these ways, um, so too should we approach and live with the Lord in these mm -hmm. ways to have, you know, you were saying before, sort of like the the cacophony of, of life, you know, with social media and all that, you know, with our phones, we just, right. just ever, you get this and all we, this, we give a lot of lip service to turning off the sound, but we don't do it very well. But perhaps this is a way by which to know our Lord better, um, to not just to turn off our phones when we're in prayer, but like, you know, to set, to build the habits of detachment from these things, even outside of that. So as to be better prepared, to be recollected, silent, prayerful, contemplative before the Eucharist. Um, to give ourselves in little things, um, things that might be annoying, dealing with people that are annoying, giving ourselves in ways of service to people so as to be able to respond and kind of be habituated to respond, to give ourselves in ways when the Lord asks us and, you know, to persevere well in the faith yeah. through the grace of the sacrament. So there, we, all these pieces fit together in, in ways that, you know, this year hopefully has shown us and that we can continue or begin to take forward and think about more. So. I, I mean, we're preparing for, we keep coming back to this, and, and rightly so. We are preparing for a multi-year um, focus on the Eucharist. As, as an American church, this is what our bishops are asking us. This is what the successors of the apostles, the shepherds of our spiritual lives 
are asking us to rediscover, recommit, uh, get back to understanding and having a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. I think it's beautiful in God's providence that's coming on the heels of this year of St. Joseph, right? And then we can enter into all of these things that we've been able to focus on the virtues of St. Joseph, but all of that comes together in a single person who was entrusted with the Blessed Virgin Mary and a child, the, the child Jesus, the God-man. And so if we're once again going to rediscover Jesus, then let's rediscover him in learning from St. Joseph. If we're going to rediscover him, let's rediscover him as Jesus found him in the manger. Or, you know, that the, the ability for St. Joseph to um, encounter and grow next to the Lord, but actually have that uh, humility to receive the Lord into his life. Um, he, he could stand with any one of us and say, like, I, I don't deserve this. I don't, I'm, I, why would you pick any other man? Like, I'm not the one to do this. But he accepted the will of God into his life and took that with gravity and seriousness, but was accepting the gifts that the Lord gave him um, in the Blessed Virgin Mary and the humility of this, this Christ child. And he dedicated himself to that. And so this is where we get back to that Christocentric understanding. So that all that St. Joseph, all the actions that he did became oriented to Jesus Christ. And understanding that, yes, his contemplative, his ability to hear and be recollected, the, the virtues, uh, the, all the masculine virtues that he has in perseverance and, and all of those things, they're oriented to Jesus Christ. And as we embark on this new endeavor um, to understand and encounter the Lord in deeper ways in the Eucharist, to uh, really allow that to be in the model or in the mode of St. Joseph, who was the first to receive the body of Christ, right? I mean, that's, that's the reality of it, is, is he was the first one of a, dare we even say, sinful nature. He received the body of Christ from the hands of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Like, he was the first. And uh, if we desire to receive the Lord Jesus, have him reside within us, be unified to him, um, I think we can take a, a few cues from um, St. Joseph in that, in that understanding. Well, there you have it. Some things to think about St. <laughs> Joseph, man of, man of the Eucharist, as it were. Um, hopefully this, this episode you know, has helped you think about St. Joseph again. If you thought about him a year ago when the year of St. Joseph kicked off. Now and then forgot about, about him. him for a full year. <laughs> yeah, He's exactly. Back. Now you can think about him <laughs> as the year of St. Joseph comes to an end next week um, on the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. Uh, the if you're, if you're looking for a little more on St. Joseph, perhaps check out the, the Holy Father's Apostolic Letter, Patris Cordae. You can find that um, online. It's, it's about a dozen pages long and certainly worth reading to reflect on St. Joseph's um, St. Joseph's role in our life, lives and in the life of the Holy Family and of our, of our Lord. Um, of course, if you think this episode might benefit somebody else, feel free to share it, like, and subscribe, uh, subscribe to us on, on YouTube and all of the other whatever social media places, <laughs> Twitter, Instagram. We're grateful for that, helping us out. Thank you so much to our supporters, especially those on, 
on Patreon. Um, as always, we are praying for you, uh, and we will, especially during this Advent and upcoming Christmas seasons, and, and ask of your prayers too. And uh, until next time, God bless. Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leave a review on your podcast app and visit us at godsplaining.org.